You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Why, hello there, and welcome back to Flying the Call. I'm pleased to present the first of this week's two episodes. Today, I'm talking with Leafing, a mathy, emo-leading band that had just a couple of shows under their belts before the pandemic. This led to an unexpected creative freedom, forcing them to quickly learn to work together without being in the same physical space. While their debut self-titled album and the themes it addresses has been a long time coming, the process of recording it was like nothing any of the members have ever done before. Keep listening to hear about all of this and more. to talk a little bit about kind of like becoming a new band basically like during the pandemic and he had like two shows under two shows to your name before they you know were totally put on hiatus but like what are some of the like additional challenges that you've had due to like you know being such a new band and during like during a pandemic yeah I mean I can start on this one I think um I think all the unexpected all of the uh challenges of like trying to record and release and promote an album uh, when we can't actually get together with ourselves or anyone. <laughs> I mean, the, I think like kind of the obvious challenges around that just in terms of not being able to play a release show, um, not being able to go into a studio together. We had to kind of find workarounds for all of those things, which, which uh, we were able to do, fortunately. Um, we can talk about that more um i will say like one benefit is just kind of the three of us like have all played in different projects together um we've all known each other personally and musically for a long time so i think we had that in our favor a little bit and it kind of allowed us to like continue into this this new world yeah definitely i think like and obviously you know anybody and everybody who plays music is suffering from the lack of shows right now. And I think that's what stands out the most to me is just not, not getting to like have that experience together as a band, not getting to play with other bands and like how fun that experience is that, you know, I guess just like, since we've only had two shows that I feel like I've, like looked back on them more than I would other shows because they just like are the collection of leaving shows that are there to like be nostalgic for. But they were both really awesome and they were both with just like really, really great bands. Um, and yeah, I think I just crave more of those experiences, like getting to 
getting to play your songs and then hear the other people play their songs and like have all the feelings of those things twist together and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can imagine it's kind of hard to, you know, I feel like this kind of realm of music is so much about community and it's kind of hard to like fully, you know, embrace that, you know, when you, you haven't been able to like build that up, you know, as the band leaf in yet. Yeah, definitely. I do think though that we've like really, it's been a cool way to navigate like how we're creating stuff together from my, in my perspective, like, but yeah, no, I don't know. I think like, Dom and I were in another band together for all kind of a long time. And I think we always had this hope, like we, we, the four of us were living in Brooklyn at the time in uh, this other band, Slim Charles. And I think we had always hoped for like being able to like work well from afar when we weren't physically together in a, in a rehearsal. And with that kind of being our only option over the past year, I think we, really like ran with it in a really cool way. Yeah, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, um, well, I mean, that even just starts to brush on our whole kind of like recording process. Um, I think we've developed a cool, um, a cool like writing process because it's kind of been the only option of like one person working on something and sharing that and, and it being like a just a thing that's bounced back and forth and worked on in isolation and sent around for feedback um, in this way that's felt, um, I don't know, it's, it's felt like it's it works really well and it's been pretty productive for the most part. Yeah, we've, we use like, we've used like Google Docs and comments and like Google, it's like way more than I ever thought I would with a band which is kind of funny. I mean, going back to like what we we've tried, I feel like in the past to do this with other projects, but when you know, you can just get together over the weekend and like hammer something out in person, there's like zero incentive to like go on the computer and like try to figure out how to collaborate remotely. So there was certainly like a startup time for us to get there. But after a few months, we were, we had it a pretty seamless process of like recording remotely and sharing ideas and, I mean, we practically, as we were recording our album remotely, we practically wrote another album in the process. Nice. That is is getting feedback from each other more or less nerve wracking than it is in person. <laughs> Seeing those three dots. I think it's like, I think there isn't the like, what you don't have is like the immediate gratification of or like the instant feedback that's so helpful. Like you can't like pivot and change things in the course of a two minute demonstration or um, conversation or just jam. Like you have to, I don't know, like we'll send a song over text and one of us is busy and they, or they don't see it. And then a few days later you actually listen to it and you're like, oh, that's really good. And then you may, that's when you send your feedback but the other person is already onto something else. So. It's a little, little more, more uh, stop and start. At the same time, you can like, there is a nicer, almost like economy for being able to like toss a bunch of stuff out there and, and, you know, anyone else can listen to it whenever they get to versus the like finite, you know, two hours of a, an in-person practice where it's like, oh, I forgot to, you know, I forgot to share my brilliant new idea. Um, 
instead we can just text it. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that really stood out to me about, you know, the, the rollout of the album is the kind of dark direction for the singles and the album artwork, um, which I feel like is really like clean and concise and cohesive. Um, so I'm curious if you could tell me a little about, you know, the mindset behind that and how that came together. Yeah. So much of that has to do with our really brilliant, talented friend, Alexis, um, who made all of those images. Um yeah, Alexis is a really good friend and we've, I think all three of us individually have just like really loved her work and we've gotten to see a lot of it over the past few years. I've, I've known Alexis for seven or eight years and maybe Dom and Sebastian have a little bit longer, but her stuff's always been awesome. And it was a pretty, um, almost like a non-decision, I feel like to ask her to do our visuals for the album it just seemed just seemed obvious she's like one of the most talented people we know and and yeah it was a really obvious choice and I feel like we had you know a few ideas of um themes on the album themes in in Dominic's lyrics and and then just like some reference images of of stuff of hers that we really liked and stuff that we thought she had stuff she'd made already that we thought really kind of resonated with what the album was exploring thematically. And she just like really crystallized all of that so beautifully, like as you, as you can see. <laughs> yeah. The pro the process for that was just like sending her the lyrics. Yeah. And she, I feel like she honed, she like really quickly like honed in on the like few I don't know the, the the real key themes that we wanted in the in the visuals. Yeah, I think the hardest thing about it was just like choosing. I, I think we actually like uh, were the most kind of abundant. We we actually like released another single in part so that we could like just include another image of hers, you know, and. Right. She like sent us, uh, I think maybe five images to start with. And we like kind of wanted to use them all and, and more or less have ended up doing that. Yeah. It was just, it was just so hard to choose because we loved them all. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of also something that's been, you know, kind of like an unexpected, like silver lining of the pandemic is like just people kind of taking being being able to take more time on like the the rollout and like the way that you know things are being presented and stuff like I feel like th that visual cohesion really made it you know it was cool to see the difference from like one single to the next and like the difference in sounds getting to know the band and then also the difference in the imagery and like kind of how they work together it's just something that I feel like has been a little bit more exciting recently than it has been you know in the last couple of years and I know you mentioned that, you know, you've all been kind of in, you know, bands together before. What was kind of the, what made the difference um, with the way that you were approaching leafing? Like what kind of made that a, a fresh start? Yeah, I, I mean, I can speak to this a little bit um, from, from my perspective, at least. Um, I think, it, I think, well, Sebastian and I have played together our entire musical lives. Sebastian's my brother. <laughs> He's the, the drummer in Leafing and um, we obviously grew up together and learned our instruments together. Um, I think from, from past musical projects, 
I think that the the album that we just released is one that I feel has been per percolating personally for me for a really long time, like pretty much since I moved out of my parents' house. Um, I've been thinking about these themes and wanting wanting to write an album about the, the feelings of like moving out of home and building a new home somewhere else. And I don't know, I feel like other the other albums and projects and songs that we've worked on have always felt, um, I don't know, just removed from removed from those themes and exploring different ones and different moments and different emotions. And I think, I think just making the conscious decision to like finally approach them and like deal with the, some of those feelings and get them on paper and um, finding people that I felt like would really understand those themes was like sort of the, the, the formation of the band. So the band sort of formed around this album. And then from there we've, I don't know. I feel like we we have a lot more to explore. <laughs> and how's that kind of like you know, you mentioned that you've essentially written like a, a almost a full new album. How did that kind of like the writing process change, you know, now that you have kind of addressed some of those themes? Yeah, that's it. That's a really good question. Um I I feel like now I understand what our I understand like what we can do a little bit more and now I feel like it's going, I don't know, the, the process for the new songs is, is a little more, is, is, is going in a little more of a familiar way where, I don't know, we're all kind of bringing a huge variety of influences and, and ideas to the table. Um, probably more so than, I mean, the, the way that the first out that our first songs came together was like extremely quickly and extremely like organically. And that's not to say that it's no longer sort of an organic process, but I, I don't know. I think, I think musically and sonically we're exploring like a lot, a lot different ground now. I I don't know. I feel like we have a little bit more freedom to do it now that at least personally, I'm no longer thinking in, in the bounds of like one album and one, one goal in mind. Yeah. I think also just like, there's also the kind of what we were talking about a few minutes ago, but just like the, necessitated by the pandemic shift in like our songwriting now is kind of more of like a step towards like demo making because because we're not like writing in person and doing like a like a cell phone recording of of ideas that we have but we're like plugging in direct to our interfaces and like layering layering stuff on so I think I'm feeling the like greater potential for like being imaginative and thinking being more forward thinking about like when we're in the studio next and stuff like that and it feels like uh like cutting out a step in the process almost yeah that seems like you know kind of like a really exciting like creative like kind of like mental block to break through (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of funny how that's worked. Like, I mean, we've never really, or at least I, I've never in any music that I've made really explored like writing keyboard lines and synth parts and sitting down with other MIDI instruments and seeing like what that can add. And 
because when we've written together in the past, it's been in person in a studio with the instruments that we know how to play. And I don't know how to play keyboard, but, but if I sit for enough hours, I can like come up with something that I like the sound of and just having that as like a, a new tool in collaborating um, has been pretty fun and has opened a lot of doors. Yeah, and you, you mentioned kind of like one of the, the binding aspects of the album is like the kind of, you know, your vision of, you know, of moving homes and, you know, building a new home and stuff. And I feel like it makes sense that the album has a binding force like that because I view it very much as like an album album. Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of like how that theme was expanded across the album and, you know, just like your, your view on the album as an art piece? Yeah, I think, I don't know, I really started trying to think of like how the album, like really how, where it started and how it started and then how it came to be what it is. Um, I mean, I think the first song that, I mean, Leafing really started with just like a guitar riff, which was um, the one in, um, the song Forget, which is like inspired by a pavement song. And it's just a really simple kind of like climbing riff and the, the vocals kind of go along with the um, the melody that the guitar is picking. And that song is, that song is all about, um, uh, Forget is about, commu it's about commuting. <laughs> um, and uh, in particular, like a, 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 just a, a train ride that I had one time kind of out of the city on a commuter train. And I think that, I think writing that riff was the moment, writing that riff and like working on those lyrics and kind of sharing them like pretty early on with, with Sebastian and with Maggie kind of like really quickly formed into this idea that like, okay, like I like this idea of I like writing about this thing that I'm doing that I've never done before. And I would like to kind of juxtapose that with songs about things that are more familiar to me um, in terms of my childhood and how I grew up. And I think it, it's, that was kind of the, that was kind of the, the intro to the album in a lot of ways for, for me musically and for all of us. And then yeah, I think just building off of that was like a helpful place for me to start. And then building off of it, I think sort of just came, came naturally. The other themes like emerged as I thought about, okay, commuting and, and being in a city and moving around in a very different way than I did when I grew up. And like I said, those feelings were always, those feelings and, and ideas and thoughts and imagery were kind of always there. And I had just like a, a note on my phone of like, all of these phrases and ideas um, that I had just taken down over like seven years of living of living in New York City. And as we wrote more songs and came up with more things that needed words, um, I mean, this is just from the perspective of lyrics, I would be curious what Maggie and Sebastian have to say about it, but just kind of started diving into that trove of, of old notes and old ideas and resurfacing them and building them out yeah it's 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 cool to hear that because like like I've always known Dom and Seb to make really awesome music together it's like very cool to be 
the third person making music with these two people who are brothers and have this like very deep connection both like musical and and I guess uh like biological and my perspective was more like um hearing from you guys like hey we've been we've been playing together we have like these songs um that we've been working on and I, I just think from my perspective like as long as I've known uh Dom and Seb they've they've had just like awesome music that they make together and so when 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 they were like hey you know you want to come play you know jam with us on some of these songs that we're working on I was so excited about that um and a lot like there was definitely a lot sketched out in the songs already so for me it was really like a treat this is a real treat for me in songwriting when I just get to like write a part to a song that's kind of like already in existence um and kind of like weave my way through it which is which is kind of like a weird can be a weird approach for bass um because bass can be more kind of like rooted sometimes but I don't know it was very it was very delightful for me in that way nice yeah and it sounds like I mean the way that um both kind of like the the lyrics side of things and the musical side of things it kind of makes sense to me that I I feel like I got a feeling of like nostalgia from the music and can you talk a little bit about that and kind of like you know bringing that into present day and kind of like how how you fit into the the musical landscape of today yeah I mean yeah I'm curious that's that's cool to hear you say and actually I've heard other I've heard a few other people say that um or a few other people have said that to me um that like there are elements of the songs that make them feel like nostalgic I guess I'm curious like what when you say like nostalgia are you feeling it for like an era of music or something that you remember about like your life or I guess what's the what how is it like I guess like what is the angle for you there yeah I think it's kind of like I guess in, you know, most basic terms, it would be like an era of music, but yeah. not necessarily one that I was even, you know, a part of that, the time that it existed or anything. So it, I feel like it's just the, the tonality of the music and uh, cool. like the, the way that the, the vocals and the instrumentals, you know, interplay. I think it kind of like, it just brings up that kind of, that feeling for, uh, for older times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that it it does that for you. Um, and thanks for saying that. I mean, I think we're all we're all like children of the 90s and <laughs> to say that like and and early 2000s which I consider technically to be a part of the 90s for 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 some of those years and some artists and, and genres but um yeah, I think the I think you and you hear it in like so much music now, like really good music coming out of indie artists, like across many genres, the impact of the nineties, I would like sort of similar to like the impact of the eighties on <laughs> um, indie music of the, like the, the, the aughts. <laughs> um, you can't really understate or you can't really underestimate that, uh, that impression and the, the impact that it's had. Um, so yeah, like, 
just music that we grew up, uh, music that I grew up listening to just on the radio and, and bands that I still continue to find today from, from that era of music are just like are hugely influential. And it would be, I think it would be hard for any of us to write music that like wasn't sort of, at least in part, influenced by that, that, that time. I don't know, Maggie, do you, or Sebastian, do you, do y'all feel differently or? I, I agree. Yeah. You, you write, you write what you know. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's funny when, I, when I'm, th- when I think of like my childhood and like stuff that I've listened to, what, what comes to mind first is this, this hockey team that I was on in middle school. And we like, uh, we had like a mixed CD for the team, like the team, playlist I guess but it was like a pre-playlist time and it was like Green Day and and Blink-182 and Sum 41 and like Metallica and I don't know I like in the in the early 2000s that was like uh my jam kind of this this uh Brooklyn Blades mix CD I'm I remember <laughs> yeah yeah I still have the jersey it's like very very cool um <laughs> but yeah my mind is going to like early 2000s pop punk which which I don't necessarily like maybe in in very small doses feel a, a conscious channeling in our music and definitely there's other stuff I was listening to whether it was just kind of like straight up pop in that time um yeah i don't know <laughs> that just kind of made me laugh to myself thinking of the, my some 41 influences <laughs> and then i mean another thing that like i feel like really adds to my enjoyment of the album is like the, the intro track and the the interludes with smoochie and birding where it's like you know very i feel like it's really effective kind of like world building atmosphere building um that kind of drives the album forward um can you talk a little bit about you know about those tracks and, and the role they play on the album yeah they, thank you so much for noticing those um <laughs> i feel like yeah i feel like those are they're less like songy songy and I don't have verses or choruses. So I'm always, it's always nice to hear that people, people find something in those, those tracks as well. Um, Cause I think they are, I mean, for me, at least they're, they are very meaningful and important parts of the album and very intentionally included. Um, the, the actual, like, I guess like technical background for those songs is just all of them are directly off of my little like boss looper pedal um and they're just like all of them have that sort of at really atmospheric sounding like guitar um atmospheric get like just like layers and layers of guitar string sounds uh and i i made all of those loops um really early on in my time living in brooklyn um in our our first apartment where i lived with uh, the other members of, of Slim Charles. Um, and those, I don't know, those loops always kind of, I, I, I put the, those, they just, they, I put them on this, 
I came up with them and on this pedal, um, kind of in quick succession and like a, a several like weekends of just playing with this loop pedal and they're, the loops are really short and they're, I've always wanted to do some, I always wanted to do something with them as soon as I, as soon as I had recorded them. Um, and I never really knew what, and this was just kind of like a, actually they, they came into our music because we wanted something between our songs and our live set. <laughs> and uh, it was kind of stepping on that, that loop pedal where I had still had those loops saved. The, the loop pedal only has, I think it's 11, I think it has 11 options to save loops. Um, unless there's like additional functionality that I don't know about with this pedal. I'm not very, not very good at, at pedals, but I, I saved these three loops on this pedal. Other, the other, the other slots for loops I've like cleared out over the years, but I had saved these ones and stepping on a loop pedal at the end of a song to tune your guitar and have something between songs. is just like a kind of an, an ideal way to, I think, string a show together. And yeah, so they just kind of organically became part of the album that way. Had always wanted to use them. They were useful for live and I thought they fit in nicely with the, with the other songs. Dom, are they still on your loop pedal or have you? <laughs> yeah, no, no, pedal? I'm not. No, they're, they're too useful. I mean, until, <laughs> then they're now, now they're part, like one day I would love to play this album live uh, and I want to be able to use them in that way again. But Maybe maybe one day we'll be fancy and like have a computer on stage with us and <laughs> <laughs> have another way of doing it. But until then, there, those three slots on that boss pedal will be uh, dedicated to these three songs. <laughs> nice. I, I love that like repurposing of them or, or finally finding a purpose for them, <laughs> fully finding a purpose. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty pretty excited when those made their way onto the album. <laughs> It also just felt so smart when we like, after our first show, the loops are like very, I love them very much in their own right. And then also to use them to like pad the, like what can be like awkward tuning silences between songs just felt like the smartest thing. And like, oh, we've finally figured out how to like <laughs> play shows smartly, kind <laughs> of, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> Many years of just like awkward silent tuning silences. <laughs> You're fully pros now. You get your gold star. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and another one of my favorites on the album is Little Ball, which is, you know, the first single as well. Um, can you just tell me a little about uh, how that one came together? Yeah, for sure. Um, that was just like, I have some early voice memos on my phone that one was, I was at my home at my parents' house and just grabbed an acoustic guitar. And that was kind of the first thing I played when I sat down with it. And then I just, I, as soon as I played it, I was like, all right, I want this to sound like, I want this to sound like a like mid-career, like Radiohead song. I want it to be super driving and I want the, I don't know. I, I think in my head, I had these very like, um, I had these very sort of like whiny Tom York vocals <laughs> going over that track. Uh, and yeah, I wanted it to be super energetic, wanted like a shaker in one part. Um, and I think, 
I can't remember the first time we played it together, but I think the what really brought that song to Sebastian and I jammed on it a couple times, but like what made that song was the bass riff that Maggie brought in. It's like I I love that bass part that you play. And it I I think that was like the that was like the crystallizing moment for that song. Dang, thanks, man. That it like changed a lot too. I for at the beginning I was really playing a lot just kind of along with your guitar part and I feel like I remember that being one of the first things that kind of like developed our aforementioned uh like remote um songwriting process of like sending ideas around I, I feel like in in like the month of April or May last year I kept sending things out being like, okay here's the baseline I was like wait wait don't listen to that I have to change it listen to this one and like that's true it did it it did evolve over time I kind of forgot that totally yeah that one is so fun to play yeah and uh, I mean I always kind of like to wrap up the same way which is by asking for either a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about lately that you wanted to share wow I'm like ready to hear people's advice I'm like open for the advice you know I think one thing I mean this is like this is like extremely extremely big or like big picture but one thing I've been just trying to do more of is to be like more curious about things and um I think it it goes for music but could go for anything um just like following up on things that I even if there's like a tiny bit of curiosity about something like following it and seeing where it leads, something that I've been trying to do, do more in my life. I think my advice that I have to like give myself in pandemic times is to just like be in touch with the people I love more. It's so hard to like be home all the time and be in isolation and forget to just like hit up my friends who I love and, and say hi and tell them that my advice is, to yeah it's it's corny but it's to tell your friends that you love them and to like have a phone call with them it's mostly advice to myself (laughs) i mean y'all y'all put it put it pretty pretty well i'd say the only thing i would add to that is to uh would be to go outside but yeah thank you for sharing cool 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 another episode of flying the call is coming to an end while editing this episode, I revisited Leafing's self-titled album for the first time in a little bit, and was reminded just how great an album it is. It works best as an entire, cohesive listening experience, and I highly suggest you check it out that way. I can't wait to hear what they're cooking up next. Flying the Call is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. A special thank you, as always, to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyingTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FlyingTheCallPod at gmail.com. I'll catch you back on Thursday. I hope things go well for you until then. Yes, welcome everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. 
Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!